0: Hey guys, it's Samantha with the Urban Homesteader. I hope you guys are having a wonderful evening. I hope you all also had a great Easter. I know it's been a while since I've gotten on here. It's been a crazy couple of weeks since Easter. My kids have been really sick, and my husband has been out of town, and just trying to get things um, organized for the year has just been absolutely crazy. So a couple of things that are happening um, around the homestead right now is we've got ducklings. Our ducklings hatched, uh, began hatching Easter Sunday night, and of course it took a couple of days, but we ended up with five out of six eggs hatching. And then we sold one of the ducklings to a friend who needed a buddy for another duckling that they had picked up. So, exciting things. Our chicken nuggets, or, you know, my baby chicks, are finally outside. And they have decided that the electric fence around the bottom of the yard does not pertain to them. And I have to keep chasing them out of the front yard because I personally don't want run-over chicken. So, that's a lot of fun. I got to go to the Mother Earth News Fair in Asheville, North Carolina, the weekend of the 28th. That was a lot of fun. If you've never been to the Mother Earth News Fair, I would highly suggest you go and get a chance. There's a lot of great speakers, tons of shopping, and lots of workshops. I got to sit in on a workshop with a friend of mine where we learned how to make cheese. I've never made cheese before, and surprisingly, it was easier than it should have been. Well, could have been, or at least easier than I imagined. And my six-year-old got to sit in a workshop where she learned how to make Play-Doh. She thoroughly enjoyed that, and I'm still cleaning it up all over the house. And we're almost two weeks out from that. So, But tonight we have a special guest. His name is uh, John Ballard. He's from Hope, Arkansas. And he is going to talk to us tonight about the importance of Prepping and bushcraft on the homestead. Um, prepping is important in, in in the fact that as homesteaders, we are preppers of a sort. We're not necessarily prepping for the end of the world, but we are prepping for, say, the winter. Where we put our garden produce up to enjoy all year long, and we are prepping for, you know, disasters. Say, your husband loses his lo- his job, or... You're stuck in the house due to a natural disaster. You know, it's nice to have that kind of stuff on hand. And I'm not entirely sure where bushcrafting comes in handy on the homestead, but I'm going to let Mr. Ballard talk to us about that. So I'm going to hand it over to yes. him. Here you go, John.
1: All <laughs> right. Okay, where does bushcrafting come in handy? Well, you go back through history, find out that most of the pioneers that settled the United States as they moved across the country were actually bushcrafters, not by choice but by necessity. While traveling through the wilderness, if something broke, they would have to repair it. And you know, they used wagons back then, so in areas where wood was splendidly available, they were known to take trees down and to repair wagons, make wheels, uh, tools, or if they found a place to settle down in homestead back then, as the pioneers did, there was no, for a lot of areas, there was no store at that time. It might have been a small trading post, but the stock was limited to what they had and what people would bring in. So a lot of the things that the pioneers and the homesteaders back then did was they made by hands. Uh, Tool handles for axes and shovels, hammers, uh, knives we take for granted because they're so available. But back in those days, the bushcrafter, or I call it bushcrafting, if they broke a knife, they lost an important tool. Because a knife is a very important tool, and it's something that every homesteader needs are good knives. Well, those people learned to, by hand, cut and pre-shape a knife blade out of broken saw blades in order to make the knives they need. Those were the first tools that they could get easily made. And some of those knives are still around. You can find them sometimes in garage sales or antique stores. A lot of people really don't know the value of them. They were simply made, but they did a job. But it was also looking around and finding elders, what else they could use in bushcrafting, which is also foraging. People got to eat. They could bring limited supplies with them, limited seed. Some of the seeds they brought with them weren't suitable for the areas. So they would go out and they would forage for wild plant food and they would find what they needed and eventually they would cultivate it. So you see a lot of... I guess the best way to describe it is weird food stuff that people eat. Certain greens and miners' lettuce and Things like that. Kind
0: of like my stinging nettle.
1: Right. There's always a use for it. They found it for medicinal purposes and food, of course, feeding their livestock. But they had to be self-sufficient. They had to learn. Now, the sad thing was when a lot of those people traveled across the country, they weren't prepared. A lot of them from the East Coast, they were city people trying to look for a new start. Moving across the Great Plains out to the mountains looking for gold, uh, whatever they were looking for, whatever their dream, they left a lot behind them. A lot of them were very green to the the world in the wild, and they had to learn upon the way, and sometimes it was not easy. Sometimes it was a failure to talk about the Darner Party people got stuck up in the mountains of the sierra nevada at a time they shouldn't have been up there and it was a big tragedy but everybody knows the story so i won't go into that so what the whole purpose is of bushcrafting and prepping and homesteading even or, or basic wilderness survival which i like and one of my hobbies is making sure you're always prepared Well, the sad thing about that, you're going to see a lot of shows on television and magazines and they're going to tell you, they're going to teach you these new techniques of survival and you'll see these guys on these fantastic diets standing there all ramboed up with a knife in their hand looking like they're ready to take on King Kong and Godzilla. Well, a lot of that's fantasy. A lot of the TV shows are fantasy because they are staged, they are scripted. They try to create a situation that looks real, but they're not learning how to live is a skill you have to learn on your own and you have to develop the mindset there is no easy way of doing it except first is use your mind got to learn how to think for yourself don't look for experts decide what you want to study pick yourself up several books study you have the internet it's fantastic for information and just start researching and you have to think what would I do in this situation now there's all kinds of situations lately that we pay attention to and one of them is the weather because as our society seems to build out especially in the rural areas now we're starting to fill up you're starting to see weather patterns that weren't there before well anytime you get a Uh, an influx of a population that causes an area to grow, you're going to change some of the the climate. I'm not saying global climate change, I'm saying local climate change. You start building a suburb in a valley, what was formerly a a farming valley or a farming area, you're bringing in all that thermal heat exit from everything that's living out there. It absorbs the heat. It's going to change the weather pattern and it's going to make the weather seem worse see a rise of tornadoes or people building in areas that are floodplains that haven't flooded in years. Now you're beginning to realize it's there. So you have to get in to think, what would you do in those situations? How would you prepare for this? Well, the first thing to do is, one, is take stock. In your area, what is available for you? What's your area like? Is it a mountain hilly area? Is it a plain area? Is it a river area? Is it on the side of a seashore or a a lakeshore? Just kind of get familiar with your area. What are the water supplies available? Municipal water, wells, reservoirs. Know what you got. Know what you're living with. Look at your house. You hear a lot today is shelter in place during certain situations well if you've got a residence you've got a shelter you're in good shape it might not seem so at the time especially when the power goes out but it is shelter you have to look at your house or your shelter and what can you do to make it livable that you can at least be comfortable and safe now these are things you'll have to you'll have to study but always stop and think first before you do anything. Is this going to be beneficial? Is this going to be helpful? What do I need to get by? So said, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I am going to talk on one. As your homesteader, so you know about the, the value of growing your own food, raising your own food. Food is an important item. Of course it is. And water. But the problem with a lot of people... Stocking up on foods is sometimes they stock up on things they see that think it's going to be easy for them to live off. You need to keep things that you're used to eating, things that you can prepare. The freeze dried food is good and it's great for an emergency, you know, quick when you want a quick meal, add hot water. But in a long term situation, it's going to get boring. And one of the problems of being boring is there, there's no challenge. In order to keep a peace of mind, think about preparing a meal. Make it a challenge to what you can fix with what you have. Become inventive. What items do you have? What can you do with it? What type of items can you get in the door at the store that you can use to make up meals? The biggest thing in a situation is remain retaining some form of comfort. We talk about comfort foods. Uh, those of you with young kids, you know, macaroni and cheese was always a favorite dish.
0: Lollipops.
1: And lollipops, of course. <laughs> but yeah, you, know, you, you look at the foods that you normally eat in the shelf. What well, we call convenient food—something that makes you comfortable, like uh, snacks.
0: Grandpa's little debbies.
1: Yeah, my little debbies. <laughs> little debbies hostess twinkies well we won't go in there anymore because i'll tell you how unhealthy they are we Um, all
0: saw zombie land
1: zombie yes twinkie shortage but the thing like that when people don't stop and think they're worried about nutritional we got to have this nutrition you got to have this nutrition but people need something that's comfort something that's familiar with them so there's nothing wrong with taking a break and eating a pack of little debbies or hostess twinkies or or, or candy or popcorn like that if it's If it's something that's comfort, you need that for peace of mind. So you you, you can stock up on that stuff. You'd be surprised saying uh, I raised actually six kids, four daughters, a son, and a nephew. And the stuff that we kept in hand. Also to look for things like that that you can make on your own. What type of little desserts and comfort food can you make? Another form of comfort food that I like, and most college kids will tell you they've survived on it for a while, and they will tell you right now, is a form of ramen, top ramen. Everybody, yeah, I know. I can hear hear people going, no, no. (laughs) But there's good news on the ramen, on the the ramen front. If you have an Oriental grocery store, you're in good shape. Because you can get those imported uh, versions of ramen that are actually pretty good. And there's even a brand that I like that comes with little bowls with a lid. comes with your, your noodles and your uh, your seasonings and everything you need and a little fork. And all you do is you put the noodles in the bowl, put the seasonings on top, pour hot water into it, put the lid on it, and three minutes later you got a quick meal. And kids like that stuff. It's familiar to them. So you can look at things like Top Ramen. But I also found out that the bowl is reusable. You can also buy the the major American brands of Top Ramen and you can put them in the bowl and pour hot water on them with the seasoning and it it prepares them for you. So it's a quick meal, it's easy, it's inexpensive, and it's familiar and comfortable food to a lot of people. It's also, uh, well I'm going to get a dirty look on this one. Certain canned foods, pork and beans, beanie weenies.
0: Beanie weenies are awful for you
1: but little kids eat them, and it's comfortable food.
0: My kids do not eat Beanie Weenies. I have tried, and they will not touch them.
1: But Grandpa does.
0: Yeah, Grandpa's weird.
1: <laughs> but things like that, you know, it, it, it's just comfortable. And you can even make your own Beanie Weenies with hot dogs and make your own beans with different recipes. So there's things like that, uh, spaghetti sauces in the, in the jar and noodles like that. They're all long-lasting-on-the-shelf life. And they're, they're quick food and they're comfort food. People know it. them. It's just something to break the monotony of. That's the biggest thing comfort. Also, prepping to keep your mind sharp. Sure. You also got to have different forms of entertainment because you know the TV is going to be down Your electricity is going to be out. You're going to have a radio, but if the power is out, you generally don't have internet. That's true. So, if you got a radio, at least you've got music and news coming in, and some radio stations. I'm a preacher, so I like Christian radio, and I like the stations that have all the the, the teaching shows on, and they have kids shows on in the afternoon. And my kids grew up listening to them, Adventures and Odyssey, and things like that. But they still do when it comes on. They're, they're fun to listen to, but it's something that keeps your mind in focus. Then again, with the radio, you get radios with weather bands, so you can keep up. You got the news coming in. It's a little bit of sound coming from the outside. It's familiar. It brings comfort. Card games. One of the things I learned about, we we joke about it Wilderness Survival, is always carry a packet of cards with you when you're out in the wilderness. If you get lost, because you can do two things. You can sit down and start playing a game of solitaire, because you know what the the averages are. Somebody's going to come walking up on you and tell you how to play your hand. You you want to do things that will challenge the mind to keep you focused on what's going on. If it's winter time, okay, you're all in the house, let's say you're you you're safe in the house, you don't want to go outside, that's the best time that certain games could be could be used. Board games.
0: Monopoly is not the one you want to play in a disaster. You will kill each other.
1: Yes, that's true. No monopoly. <gasps> battleship, checkers, chess well, I don't know, you can go to most about any large chain store like Walmart or Kmart when they're up, when you can find one and you can get those big chests of 100 something games in a box for like $10.99 things like that uh, books my kids have always been readers so we've always had a large selection of books in the house
0: yeah, we may spend way too much money on books.
1: But I'm going to plead the fifth on that one.
0: <laughs> hey, you're just as bad as I am.
1: Like I said, I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> so the biggest thing is I want people to start is to start thinking. What can I do? What's going to make this go back comfortable? What am I going to do that I'm, I'm not going to stretch out? But we found out. I guess you could say the hard way, but it was the easy way, it was in 2001 when an ice storm yeah. hit Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas area. And it hit on Christmas. Fun. I was getting ready to leave to work. I was working at the jail that time in Texarkana, 30 miles away. I was driving down the driveway, it slid in the ice, and slid back up the driveway, uphill.
0: Yeah, that was interesting.
1: So I said, well, I'm sliding uphill, I need to park the car. I'm not driving the Dexter Cannon. No. I called the jail. They said, don't worry about it. We're on lockdown. We're working with the staff we got. It's okay. We still had power as the ice storm was coming in. We stood out there and watched the ice build up on everything. And then we started watching the lights flicker, and they'd be good, and they'd flicker, and they'd be good. It was about midnight. They went out. And when they went out, they went out. We lost power.
0: For about two weeks, we lost power.
1: Went out the next day, December 26th. We're looking at all the trees in our area, in our wooded area around the house. We live on several acres in Arkansas. And all the trees were bowed over heavy with ice. And standing there listening in the background, you could hear all this cracking and popping. as trees were popping and crashing through the woods. Of course, my wife kind of laughed at me. She said I had a warped sense of humor because I started yelling timber every time I heard a tree fall.
0: <laughs> I remember that.
1: So... We jumped in the car. It wasn't that bad. It warmed up a little bit, so the ice on the roads had melted. We were heading into Hope. We looked, and we could find big metal light poles and power poles around the industrial park. Had been bent and twisted over. Lines were down all over the place. Trees were down. Uh, The only place that really had power and hope that time was the local grocery store and they were open running on generator power so we decided we'd go in and get a few things. Now my wife is pretty sharp on things like that. She knew exactly what she wanted. We went in the store and we looked for flour and lard and butter and things like that, staple. Well everybody else was going crazy and they bought all the little Debbies up, much to my displeasure. <laughs>
0: It's okay. We baked so many cookies during that ice storm. I couldn't bake a cookie for almost twenty years.
1: But I did get one box of ding dongs. <laughs> but they were going crazy in the store, buying up frozen food and uh,
0: <laughs> frozen food.
1: Yeah. It was it was entertaining to say the least. And then we went and picked up many bags of ice so we could pack the freezer. We had propane. We didn't have the furnace running, but we had the stove in the kitchen and next as much baking as they did that kept the house warm but we got back from the store and i get a phone call from the national guard unit i was a member of and they said guess what i said okay i'll be there we got there and we had set up a shelter in the armory well they found out that when i was a deputy sheriff back in nevada i was also a civil defense director old school civil defense before fema and guess who got to run the shelter
0: it was quite fun.
1: We had people in there, in the armory, of course we had no water and lights. We had a couple of generators running for basic lights. But we had porta parties in the uh, drill floor, and By the, by the end of the week Hope managed to get the power back on, but we also had food where people were able to come down to the armory and eat. We didn't have much to serve but soup and sandwiches. And we finally got the power back on and closed the shelter and a snowstorm pit.
0: That also lasted two weeks.
1: And all that fun, it was like opening the shelter up because the freeways had been closed. It, guys from the guard unit were driving up and down the freeway in Hummers and the Deuce and a Half, helping stranded motorists, trying to convoy those that could still keep the vehicles running, and the state police, and they were bringing people back to the armory. So... Here we are Christmas Eve, and we got an armory full of people. And Samantha here, she got to help me outrun the shelter. She helped me get everybody put in place, and we found places for people to sleep. And we had one family that had a special needs child that seemed Sam took care of, and they were very appreciative of her. And we had a full armory. My wife and other daughters were in the kitchen with the section cook, the sergeant, the mess sergeant, and they were making soup and cookies all night.
0: And scrambled eggs from frozen eggs because the eggs kept freezing. That was was fun. It was fun. It
1: really was. It was a lot of fun. We had an old Super Nintendo that we hooked up on a TV set and put it in this room, and I don't know how many kids we had stuffed in this room, but they were having fun taking turns playing Mario World or Super Mario Bros. I think it was
0: Mario Kart, but I don't think it really matters. Yeah, they were all
1: having fun, and they'd take their turn and pass it on to the next... Everybody was in good spirits. We finally got everybody settled and got to learn a lot more about running a shelter during the time of emergency. But that whole time, my wife had come down to deliver cookies and popcorn to the guys at the unit because of all the work they were doing, and they got stuck there. So my whole family was snowed into the armory. But it was an experience. And we found out it was still not for another two weeks that we finally got the power and uh, fixed in our area. So my wife and family, while I was at the armory, was in a house with no no electricity, no heat except for kerosene heaters and the, the kitchen stove. And kept them busy for a while, bringing treats down to the soldiers of the guard. When the power came off. Well, then we began to look and what the type of situation was. Luckily, we were semi-prepared. I'd like to be a little more prepared. We learned a lot. It's easy to take it, you know, to uh, get comfort, comfortable. And you know, oh, this is okay. It's going to be all right. Nothing's going to happen. And then suddenly you find yourself in the middle of, well, you can imagine what you're in the middle of. But we all got through it. And we all walked out a little bit wiser. And then we looked at it not as a catastrophe.
0: But as a learning experience. An
1: adventure. And that's how we have to look. We have too many problems today of people always being traumatized by everything. There's You're going to go through things in life. And I know I have too, but I'm not going to hit those up. But I've learned to look at everything as an adventure. It's something you can share with others down the line. So what I'm hoping to do tonight is to get you thinking about, you know, what if. And you can write yourself, take yourself a list. What if this happened? And write down all the things you think might happen, and what you can do to prepare, and what you can do to make it comfortable to survive or be ready. And that's about all I got to say right now. I talk too much, so <laughs> I'll give you back to Samantha. <laughs>
0: that's great talking to you, Dad. <laughs> Any, um, anytime. I'm, I'm glad that he was, you know, willing to get on here and and you know talk to us a little bit about. What he enjoys doing and the prepping and the and the bushcrafting. I didn't realize that my walks in the woods together, nettles and mushrooms and various other things, counted as bushcrafting, but hey, I walked away a little bit smarter tonight.
1: <laughs> There's a lot more things you can do. Little hobbies. Woodworking, like whittling.
0: My dad's really into whittling. Yeah, he, uh, he found this fancy little pocket knife thingy and he sits outside in the, in the driveway and he just carves at sticks. Just... <laughs> to carve out a stick he goes i'm gonna figure out how to dig a st- uh, dig a spoon so yeah why not it's, it's it's the little things um a couple of things that i was thinking about while while he was talking was when you're snowed in or you have some disaster that takes out the power or for instance you get your power turned off due to not being able to pay the bill um there are some options for light mm-hmm. um and they're not all candles um Candles, while those are traditional and everybody, you know, they're their first, you know, one of your first go-tos, you know, flashlights are there as well. And with flashlights and candles, you have to worry about running out, running out of batteries, running out of wax. You know, it, it eventually ends. One of the things that I have learned is you can buy those little dollar solar lights mm-hmm. from Dollar Tree or do you can buy the more expensive ones. I just tend to buy the cheap ones because my dog likes to eat them. And I'm not paying good money for a dog to eat my solar light. But put your solar lights out. And if the power goes out, you got yourself a light. Bring it in the house. You're set. It works great. Get a couple of them. You can read a book. You can play a game.
1: Vegetable oil. Have it in every kitchen. You can cook with it. But you know if you run out of lamp for your, oil for your lamps, vegetable oil will burn in an oil lamp. I didn't know that. It won't be a bright flame, but a little bit of light is better than no light. Especially when you have grandchildren that love Legos and you want to see (laughs) where you're walking.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Vegetable oil. Matter of fact, you want more light, which you can do with a little candle or a small flashlight. Put it behind a big jug, gallon jug, milk jug of water. It-
0: oh, yeah. I saw that with the headlights. You know, the little headlamp things. Okay. Those work. There's
1: there, there's lots of different things you can do.
0: That's a really smart idea. Um, an- another thing that my dad touched on was, you know, preparing for it and getting the things you need. One of the things you could start with now is learn how to barter. Find that friend or someone that has something that you need and figure out what you can trade for it. Try to get that item without spending any money. Um, for instance, a friend and I, we tend to barter back and forth. Um, recently I gave her a jar of chimichurri sauce and she brought me something. I can't remember what it was, but we, we, oh, popcorn. I got some really great popcorn from her in exchange for my chimichurri sauce. And it's something she wanted, and it was something I wanted. Um, Here, before too long, I'm going to be bartering for some rabbits. Um, Or I'll pay for them, it's whatever. She wants to barter, so we're going to barter something. We've still got to work that detail out, but we're going to figure it out. And I'll have my meat rabbit started, which is a good thing for us. We're on our way to self-sufficiency, and I'm excited. So bartering is definitely, and if you don't know what bartering is, it's trading one thing for another, or f- trading a service for something. Um, it, it's a it's a good thing to learn and a good thing to operate in.
1: But also, when you're bartering another thing, and a lot of people won't do it, it's pride, garage sales, and thrift stores to find some of the stuff you need. You can get a uh, a lot of good stuff. I have emergency equipment in the back of my car. My camping gear and stuff that I carry with me. I have picked up an old uh, military gas stove from World War II. Almost next to nothing. Little hit it runs off Coleman camp fuel. Inexpensive. It's a good little emergency. Uh, just look. There's always something you can find that you. You'll know one time you might need, and you can find it. Garage sales, flea markets, and thrift stores. But also be careful flea markets, because sometimes people want to sell something for more than what it's really worth. Uh, dollar tree is a good place to go and look. People go, why would I go to dollar? It's junk. Yeah, but some of that stuff that you can pick up at Dollar Tree, if you use it once and it accomplishes the purpose for what you want it for, it's a dollar well spent.
0: And it's not necessarily all junk. No. Some no. of Dollar Tree stuff is just overflow from the companies. Um, for instance, such and such company ordered way too much of something. They don't know how to offload it, so it goes to Dollar Tree where you get it for, well, a buck. And it's it's great. I love Dollar Tree. I do, you can too. You find some really, really cool stuff there.
1: I do, too. You'd, uh, you'd be surprised what you could find there. Like I said, not all of it's just junk. You can find, well, of course, you can find tin foil and aluminum foil and things like that, that for whatever purposes you need it for in a time of emergency, uh, aluminum foil makes a good heat reflector. And if you buy a couple of rolls from Dollar Tree.
0: You can put them on the inside of your windows in the house to help keep the house, mm-hmm. insulate it from the weather.
1: Uh, rubber gloves, uh, even kitchen utensils. Your soap. Soap Deep soap. Yep. Soap, deodorant, (laughs) shampoos—you name it. There, toothbrush, toothbrushes, and toothpaste is one thing you want to keep stock on, because teeth have a tendency of going bad. If you're in a situation where you really can't do—you know—you you you can't take a shower every day, at least brush your teeth, keep your teeth dental hygiene. And there's nothing worse than getting a tooth infection or a toothache or a broken tooth or because you have to take care of your teeth and
0: yeah toothaches are no fun
1: and you know how miserable they will make you i think a toothache is one of those little aches and pains they can they can be quite painful not as bad as some other pain but it's the location that drives you nuts
0: yeah i think i think i think i would rather have a kidney stone than a toothache it's just they're so awful so definitely you know Look into your hygiene. Keep a stock on those items so that, you know, should something happen, you don't have to worry about it. You're already taken care of. And should the world end as we know it, which I personally don't think is going to happen anytime soon, but should it, having a large stock or just having a stock of toothpaste and toothbrushes, that's a great bartering tool to get the things that you need. It is. People are going to want to brush their teeth. Yeah. They're going to want to wash their bodies.
1: I picked up something at Dollar Tree. I don't know why I grabbed it, but I've got it. It's a complete dental kit. It's got a tongue scraper and a toothpick and a little mirror and a toothbrush and there's something else. It's just a dollar. You
0: found that at Dollar Tree?
1: Yeah.
0: I need one of those.
1: Yeah, I found a Dollar Tree.
0: That's cool.
1: I always find something I want at Dollar Tree.
0: That's why I don't go to Dollar Tree. Have you seen my children? Yeah. We go to Dollar Tree and they want to buy the whole store. It's I can't do it. It's
1: the only store you can walk in and spend $30 and come out with a bunch of bags.
0: <laughs> That's true. I do feel rich when I go into Dollar Tree. But I also get in trouble when I go into You don't Dollar have to Tree.
1: quiver over the price. How much is this going to cost me? A buck.
0: Yeah.
1: Another Dollar Tree, too, if you got small children. Toys, inexpensive toys. Not all the toys I would recommend, but my grandson, he likes Toy Soldiers. We buy him a couple of bags from Dollar Tree. He's quite content. and Other things we get there, but something for the kids that's important is to keep their mind going. Books, coloring books, crayons, paints, something to keep them creative. Something to get their imaginations going. There's a lot of things there that you can do, and that's important. because uh, I know what it's like to be
0: stuck in a house full of kids. kids. Yeah. (laughs) Especially bored kids.
1: Yeah. Yes, we did that one time on a snowstorm. They kept complaining they were bored. I said, we're going to go have fun. We're going to go shovel the driveway. They thought it was great. So I took them to the bottom of the driveway and had them start shoveling uphill. After about 30 minutes, they kind of all wandered off, and they didn't complain anymore.
0: No, but we did have some e- epic, epic snowball fights. Yeah, we did. So that was fun.
1: Yeah, but shoveling snow uphill was never fun.
0: No, that's never fun. I remember my fingers hurting. I think Holly was on the verge of frostbite, and Mom made her go in the house.
1: Yeah, and you guys quit complaining after that.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's that's what we're we're going to wrap it up for the night. And I thank you guys for listening to us. Helen, thank you.
1: Thank you. And just remember, I'm a Baptist preacher. We love to talk when there's an open mic, so I'm going to say thank you. Have a good night. God bless. (laughs) We'll talk to you
0: guys. We'll we'll talk soon and. Y'all have a good weekend and happy Mother's Day.